right. Welcome, everybody. This is episode 46 of Hot Take from the Kitchen. Two weeks in a row now. I don't know what we're going to do with ourselves. All right. You can find us on Instagram and Hot or Facebook. Just search Hot Take from the Kitchen. And you can also send us an email at hottakefromthekitchen at gmail.com. It is H-O-T-T-A-K-E-F-R-O-M-T-H-E-K-I-T-C-H-E-N at gmail.com. And we have an email this week, finally. So, And our email is from Karen Grahusky. And she says, hey, guys, I know this is short notice, but I thought this event might interest some of your listeners. You both continue to do a wonderful job with the podcast, and I look forward to seeing what Season 2 brings. Have a great day. And Karen sent us a flyer for the is a Learn to Curl event going on this Saturday, March 30th at Northern Lights Arena. And there are time slots available between 10.30 a.m. and 3 p.m. It is sponsored by the Alpena Curling Come on now. Curlers. Thunder Bay Curling Club. And it is $20. And they suggest to wear warm, comfortable clothes like athletic pants, sweatshirts, hats, gloves, etc. And bring clean, sold tennis shoes. And you are to expect a brief introduction to curling and safety tips before getting on the ice and an introduction and practice of basic curling skills. Pre-registration is required, and participants should be 18 or over. And to pre-register, call Northern Lights Arena to reserve your spot at 989-358-0652. So looks like they're trying to bring curling to Alpena, which is kind of exciting. Always wanted to try curling. I don't know about getting on the ice. <coughs> I fall on my ass and hurt myself. But, yeah. Why don't you introduce who's in the studio with us this week? All right. And our guest is Johnny Zwaki from Alpena News. Hope I got your last name right. Correct. And I'm happy to be here with you guys. Well, thank you for joining us. So then we can ask Johnny, what do you think of curling? Oh, they actually have a... I believe they have one up in the uh, one of the arenas up in Sault Ste. Marie. When Dad goes up there for the uh, cover the hockey team, and have them either at Polar or Big Bear. One of them, I think, has a curling because they got the Olympic size sheet of ice and everything. Interesting to watch when the Olympics are on. I don't know how good I'd be at it, but interesting to watch. The thing that I struggle with is when I watch that position, those guys that get down in it. I mean, it's one thing staying balanced, but like. I don't. I don't think I have that hip flexibility to be able to get really low like that. Maybe I do. I think if you're a hockey player, you'd have a slight advantage on it. You know? Yeah, hundred percent. But something new, something new to the area, and uh, it gives something uh, that people can try out. So that is uh, that's exciting. I'm all for that. Yeah, and I think it's another way to. I think you need to start. I think we need to continue to be creative on ways to fund the ice and not just let the hockey and figure skating take the brunt of that, you know, and obviously open skate kind of, I don't think you make a whole lot of money during open skate. So um, if there's an opportunity to make some money, then I think that definitely should be pursued and, you know, try to do that. Okay. All right. I guess we'll move on to our hot takes. 
And anything you wanted to add? Those are just, you know, there's a lot no. going on. It's a crazy, it's been a crazy six days since you and I potted last. It has been. These are good. And our first hot take is the Mueller report was released yesterday or this past weekend. And now the investigation is over and we know the results. Which is not, I mean, it's not happen. It's not over. Oh, no. It's never going to be over. Yeah. Because so. one side isn't going to let it go because they didn't get what they wanted. And and it's almost like he wrote it. I can't decide if he wrote it in a way to keep it alive or if he wrote it in a way to cover his ass, which is probably a little bit of both, to be honest with you. So Probably both. So to act like, I'm not saying maybe. I mean, I guess I can't 100% say that, but. I could see if Trump had a relationship with Russia, then it's in Russia's benefit to collude to to have Trump become president. Period. Not now. Trump doesn't have to know about that. Maybe no different than you know if you were going to run for city council and you didn't know I was trying to do everything I can. You know, or you know, just I mean, obviously I'm your friend, so obviously I'm going to do everything I can. So yeah, you know, I mean, it's obvious that. Russia had a better relationship with Donnie than they ever did with Hillary. That's so why wouldn't they? I mean, I don't think you have to. But what they're talking about, some of these other things, though, I mean, like, I don't know. That's all I have to say about that. What do you think? I don't get into the whole politic game. I I saw a little bit of it, um, actually, when I was watching the games uh, yesterday on CBS, and I saw it flash across the screen, and was kind of playing on the phone, waiting for the next game to come on. So yeah. I heard a little bit from uh, Steve Schultz today. He always talks about it. he's big in the big into the politics and everything. He was trying to explain to me what was going on because I told him yeah, it might be one of our hot takes today. So yeah. he was talking about it. But as as far as any knowledge I have on, I don't I don't have much. And you know whatever whatever happens happens. I guess in my in my eyes, I don't doesn't really affect me one way or another. I think the biggest problem that stems from this is, and you really have to wonder if you really want to pursue it is, is that supposedly this whole thing was launched because there was guilt there that he did it. I mean, a lot of money was spent on like $3.2 million or something like that. So it was a lot. Yeah. In time and to not have anything found. It's like, so now the Republicans want to act like they're mad because you know, we told you that there was nothing, blah, blah, blah. Things were found, just the things that were originally supposed wanted to be found weren't found. Right. Was, I mean, there was tons of indictments and people were going to prison. But yeah. But they didn't. It wasn't what for were, what they were. Yeah, it's not what they were wanted. And, yeah. I think, unfortunately, it's just the way this world works now. I guess you could call it a hot take or whatever. But people are so well insulated now. Like, especially when you get up, like, there are people that are going to take numerous falls for things before it ever gets. So it's like House of Cards. It's sad, but it's true, you know. It's a crazy world we live in. It is. So, All right. Our second hot take topic is Robin, Rob Gronkowski retired yesterday after nine years, I think it was. Yeah. It's probably time. He's been beat up a lot and... If he wants to walk, it's probably a good idea. 
a lot of the defensive players have been going after his legs instead of trying to tackle him, I guess. Take him out at the legs. It's showing its effects. I don't know what to say about that. I mean, like, you're, you're, what you said is right, but that's not their fault. I mean, it's the new NFL rule. They can't go, you can't go at him high, and you can't go at his chest because you're just not going to take him down. So they have been regulated to take him out at the knees. And you're right, it's kind of sad, but at the same time, like, this is what you get. I mean, you can't have your cake and eat it too in this situation, but that's why we all, I always say it's the law of unintended consequences. So if you're going to protect players' heads, which is great, we need to protect concussions, there is a consequence to that, and that this is one of them. I mean, Garant's not going to be the first person to do this type of thing that you're going to see. So, I mean, um, but I don't know. It's I'd love to hear what you have to say, Johnny, because, I mean, I, I could go about this all day. So Yeah, he, I was actually um, – I mean, I'm not surprised that he was banged up throughout his career because I think when he came, when he got drafted from Arizona, he was coming off of a serious uh, collegiate injury. So, I mean, to get nine seasons and to play that play at the level that he did, I mean, I think he, I mean, winning three Super Bowls, uh, set a record for 17 touchdowns, uh, most by a tight end in a second season in the league. So, I think, um, especially with the way uh, New England went out too, I. He may may have tried coming back if they fell a little bit short in that Super Bowl, but the fact that he came up with probably the biggest play of the Super Bowl, the 30-yard 30, 30 catch to the three-yard line, which set up Sony Michelle's touchdown. Yeah, that seam uh, route was... Yeah, though it's seven and a half minutes left in the game, that ended up being the you know the game-winning touchdown. So I think it's... Um, I, he goes down, in my mind, as one of the best tight ends to ever play the game, and he really did a really did a good job, you know, redefining that position, too, as a blocker and obviously as a pass catcher, too. Do you think he's a Hall of Fame? Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Okay. I, I think he's I think he's a first ballot. I think he's first ballot in my mind. I mean, I think you can rank. I, I wouldn't put him ahead of Tony Gonzalez, and I probably wouldn't put him ahead of Antonio Gates, but he'd be right behind those two and those two, uh, obviously, Hall of Famers. So. Yeah, and you're in pretty rarefied air when you're talking about two of those guys. Absolutely. So. Yep. I, I Two things I think happened with Gronk. First of all, you're right. His college injury caused him to fall on the boards a little bit, which landed him in New England. Mm-hmm. Um, I think. It's funny how everything works out for them sometimes. Yeah, I mean, it, you're right. It's weird. And obviously, he got in the right system. Like, not that I think Ron, he would have probably, but Rob would have been effective, you know, because he's a freak of nature. Mm-hmm. But he really was able to have the right quarterback. A couple other receivers to kind of you know what I mean. It just it was just the right place for him. Um, I'm not surprised he retired. I'm sad though. I enjoy it, but the thing I find most interesting is he's probably going to make more money now yep. than he would have if he would have stayed. So, and I think that's also kind of a driving factor for him. Is like you said, do I spend a year getting all that's going to go on to my body for? we'll say $20 million he'll make, or do I want to just be in stupid TV shows and movies and all the other things I can do without all that and still probably make just as much if not more money. So I heard he was also really smart with his money. Mm-hmm. Not that you, how do I say this? He, he made a, a poop ton of money off endorsements, but I guess he's one of those players that never touched a salary. 
say, I guess the the first fifty eight million dollars he made, he saved. Yeah, I read that somewhere today. Yeah, too, yeah. he's been really good for him. Yeah, but but it's easy to say when you're having Nike pay you sixty million dollars to wear their product or whatever it is. You know, it's like, oh yeah, you were really frugal because you lived off the Jamba Juice, you know, contract that was five million dollars. So, but yeah, I heard he's never touched his NFL contract. That's just sitting there in a bank. And he's just been a little bit off of endorsements. Oh, happy cool. Yeah. All right. We'll move on to topic number three, and that is on this day in 2008, number 10 Davidson beat number two Georgetown, led by a skinny kid named Steph Curry. And this team went to the Elite Eight. Yep. Hmm. It was kind of fun to watch Steph Curry tear it up in, the, in college. So the hot take for both of you is, did you think Steph Curry at that time, because you both remember him, we call vaguely at least, did you think he could be what he is in today's NBA? Absolutely not. I thought he'd be good, yeah. but not. I mean, I not. thought he'd be able, to, be able to shoot like he is, but I didn't think he'd be able to have the ball handling and all that like he does. Yeah, a couple things have happened, right? Again, he landed at the right team. Yep. That's a great example. When he first started, it wasn't looking good because of his ankles. Yeah. So it's probably and a good thing he got that figured did, out. Did you ever read what that was? Well, what Steph Curry's ankles, what the problem was, was his hips. So they've he did this whole hip stretching routine, and they found out that it was his lack of hip mobility, and that trickled down to the rest of his body, the way that his body works. So they loosened his hip, his opened his hips up, and it really changed his ankles. Believe it or not, it's kind of crazy how that works. Send him to Casey. Yeah, shout out to Casey. That's been in performance locker. But um, no, not by any stretch of the imagination that I think he would be what he is. And it's awesome. I love it. I love it. And um, we've said it before here in the pod. The I think one of the main reasons he's so popular is because people like ourselves who are under six feet tall not, but around six feet tall. Sorry, can't you can't relate to? I mean, it's hard to relate to somebody that's six foot ten like Zion, who's just a freak of nature. It's awesome to watch, but we can't do what Zion can do. But we can do what Steph Curry can do. We can shoot threes, you know. Well, and if we played against little kids, we could do what Zion. Can do. Well, yeah, yeah. But um, yeah. So that's just kind of nuts to me. Not in a million years, whatever. I thought he would. Oh no, he's. But in the, the last other thing is the NBA shifted, yep. which has also helped him a lot too. But I think he would have been just as effective in like the 80s. That's why there's certain players that I think are transcendent. Like I think he would have maybe struggled a little bit with physicality, but that dump the ball down low and kick it out to an open shooter like his dad was, he would have thrived in that. Oh, yeah. You know, He would have made people pay. So Anybody anybody who can shoot like that, I mean, that's, that's unbelievable. I mean, to watch him – yeah. Watch him night in, night out, just to – I mean, some of the shots that he makes are just – I mean, he makes them look easy, and it's like, you know, how the hell, hell did you do that? Last night's three-quarter court shot at the buzzer. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's just like yeah, – It's nothing for him. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I'd love to get both of your opinions on this is that um, today's NBA guards, I often think, would do fine in the 80s. You hear all the time, like, oh, the hand-checking and the physicality, but I think of, like – um, not that there's anything wrong with these good players that I'm about to say, but when I think of Craig Elo, um, Jeff Hornacek, John Stockton, those players thrived in the 80s NBA. And I just feel like James Harden, Steph Curry, Russell Westbrook are so much better 
than those guys were. They'd have no problem in yesteryear. Thoughts? I don't know if they would thrive because it's just two different ways of playing the game now. You know, because back then it was the big man yep. give him the ball, and they probably. Steph would probably have his dad's career. He was a reliable shooter, but he wasn't relied upon to be the main scorer. So, yeah. I think they'd do all right, but I don't think they'd be as good as they are. I could see Steph be like Isaiah, though. I guess. Well, I don't know. No, I'm just I'm not, you know, kind of, I just, I always find it interesting when you look at eras and, you know, I, I hear that all the time, but I honestly don't think Jeff Hornacek could thrive in today's NBA. I don't think he really even sees the floor. And I'm not trying to disrespect Jeff Hornacek at all. I mean, but I just, today's NBA is crazy, fast, and athletic. And I look back at the 80s and I just kind of chuckle. I mean, but at the same time, you're right. You're 100% right. It was a different game. It was a different era. And, I don't think I don't think Harden goes on his uh, stretch of thirty point nights there. I think he no. it won't wouldn't be the same for him. I one it'd be interesting for Russell Westbrook because he does play with a little bit of that edge. Mm-hmm. So that little you know that little old school edge. So that'd be interesting. I mean he doesn't doesn't shoot the ball nearly as good as a typical point guard does, but yeah. I, he'd be he would be interesting because you know he could mix it up down low too, and he's just you know big physical guard. Um, like we mentioned, Curry. I think I think he could get away with it just because of the way the way he shoots the ball. Mm-hmm. I mean, eventually he's going to get open, and even when he's not open, it looks like he's open just making those shots. So it would be it'd be interesting. There are a lot of good guards, just like there were a lot of good guards, you know, back in the day. But uh, would uh, I think everybody, well, like the three we mentioned, Westbrook, Harden, and Curry, all are different in ways, and I think. I don't think it would um, benefit Harden as much, but Westbrook, I think it'd be interesting. And I, I still think Curry would definitely, have, uh, definitely be a valuable player. Yes. You brought up a great point. Harden doesn't get away with a lot. He gets away with now. And that's because in NBA 30 years ago, it was okay to foul people. It, I mean, fouling was part of defense. Not like, I mean, I'm not talking shack attack time. I'm talking about physically, like the Jordan the rules. Well, yeah, like the Pistons did. We're, we're, we have four guys with six fouls each, and we're going to make sure we use every one of those 24 fouls to our advantage. So, um, yeah. The, yeah. I don't think James Harden would be able to last and try yeah. to draw the foul all of the time. He'd be way too beat up. And, yeah. So, all right. We'll move on. And the next topic is Justin Verlander gets paid. He signed a two-year, $66 million extension with the Astros. I saw the number, but I didn't see the breakdown. I'm sure you have that. Is it 33 each or is it? $33 million per year. Yep, and he was set to be a free agent after this season. So I think it's a, I think it's a seal for the Astros. I mean, he's still pitching as good as anybody in the game. I mean, he led – Led the major leagues and at least led the American League last year in innings pitch. I mean, at 34 years of age, he'll be 35 this year. I mean, to do that, that's uh, it's pretty remarkable. It's not the first time he's. I think he's led the American League in innings pitch four different times. So I mean, he's he's been the definition of a workhorse. And I was happy to see him get that World Series ring too. Yeah, um, I think it was. If I think if Houston wants to remain relevant in the AL, they had to do that move because. I don't know what else you really necessarily get. 
And I think anyone else you get, you're doing a five, six year deal. And I don't know if they want to tie up that much money, like in that type of way. So um, I'm happy for Justin. I'm happy for Houston. Thoughts, Butter Bear? And I, I had to look this up because I didn't know what you were talking about. And the headline I saw was Tiger's return is out of the question now. So that kind of made me sad. I'm not happy for him. Get paid. I mean, you're one of the top pitchers, even at 35. Might as well get the money. Well, a Verlander return to the Tigers could also happen. I mean, it could. Yeah, I mean, you never know. Baseball is a weird game. And what I mean with that is Johnny's a very much a – for those of you who don't know Johnny, he's a baseball head. So that's <laughs> kind of what I'm excited about, having him on the pod this week. Um all it takes is an Astros to decide to we're in rebuild mode, and all of a sudden they're just. I mean, I'm not saying they're going to. But, I don't think that's going to happen. But baseball will do that, though. It seems to change. Really, you know, a year from now, mid-season, I should say, 18 months from now, they could be just trying to get rid of contracts like crazy. So, um, or not being able to pay. I mean, you got Springer, Correa, Altuve. You got you got guys. You got all stars on that team. I mean, they weren't. Even, they weren't able to bring back Keuchel. He's still sitting around in the free agent market, and yeah. so they uh, it was actually a good move for them to keep Verlander for the next couple of years. But for a pitcher, I mean, it worries me because he's, I mean, he's hasn't been injured much in his career um, after that 2021 season. You know, when he's 37, 38 years old, it'd be interesting to see if Houston doesn't want him back. Tigers bring them back because they're they are still going to be you know in their rebuild mode. Some of their prospects are going to are a year or two away to bring somebody like that into the clubhouse for some of those younger players, along with still probably having Miguel Cabrera. <laughs> I think it'd be I think it'd be great for the clubhouse, and it'd be it wouldn't be easy an easy adjustment for Verlander to go from obviously a World Series contender to yeah. you know, a team that's probably going to be still in a rebuild, but. It'd be nice to see him end his career back where he started. And high chance that Detroit might want to use him out of the pen. Mm-hmm. You know, he doesn't always have to be a starting pitcher. You know, we I could see Justin being a great mid-relief guy. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know how he do it as a closer. I know Tiger, different teams are used him in the playoffs in that role mm-hmm. at times. But, um, yeah, he's definitely somebody that can just go in there and definitely give you a couple good endings. So, mm-hmm. I, But you're right. I mean – Roger Clemens was the last person I really could think that pitched and laid into his career rather well. Sabathia's kind of old, too. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see. Jamie Moyer was in his 40s. Yeah. Retired. So. It was hard to, hard to pitch you know, that late in your career and still be. I mean, Sabathia's still a, a solid pitcher and a solid 3-4 pitcher for New York. Mm-hmm. And it's tough to – I mean, I think moving him – to the bullpen if he's willing to do it, you know, when he's 37, 38, just like, you know, John Smoltz did, make yeah. him a closer, just have him go out and pitch, give you his best inning or two, you know, late in the game and see what happens. So that might be because he's he's going to have – he's going to have 3,000 strikeouts. He's going to have, I mean, close to 250 wins. So, I mean, he's he's going to have all the all the accolades. He's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. So it would be, be nice if he was able to end up in Detroit, and there's plenty of options there too, I think. And as long as he stays healthy, I think it's uh, – Possibly pitches, you know, till he's close to 40, or if not 40 years old. My next question really quick off this, do you think Justin Verlander does something in baseball or not afterwards, his career? I, I don't know if he does or not. He could. Top model, so why not? 
I don't. I don't see him just sitting at home though. Tom Brady plan. Yeah, I Brady's got different goals, but I can. Verlander does so well on TV. You know, and him seeing him, he's you know he just does a really good job, and um, I can see him definitely be on the show after he's done. Hundred percent. I think once he retires, he may step away for a little while just to get away. But I definitely think he could make a return. You know, to a broadcast booth or you know. Some of that nature, you know, later on down the road. Yeah. Right. And another topic, but we're running out of time. So we're on the trivia. <clears throat> and last week's question was what well known professional sharpshooter gave a free exhibit at the Alpena County Fairgrounds in 1906? Do you happen to know, John? 1906. Seems like just yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> I have no clue. We had a really bad hint last week. Yes, it was a female. It was it just a female? Why don't you tell me the other one? Because he might have that might help him out too. If you would have went to the theater last year, there was a play on her. Go to the theater. All right. So it's Annie Oakley. Yes. In August 1906 in Alpena, Miss F. E. Butler, also known as the one and only Annie Oakley gave a free exhibit at the Alpena County Fairgrounds, performing a wonderful feat of shooting firearms. Famous Annie Oakley developed her skill as a child in Greenville, Ohio, while shooting wild game to feed her family. She also sold wild game to hotels in both Greenville and Cincinnati to earn extra money. Traveling show marksman named Frankie Butler visited Cincinnati, and a hotel owner bet him he couldn't outshoot the little five-foot-tall 15-year-old Annie. Annie won, and the two were married a year later. They soon began traveling the country, exhibiting their skill with the Buffalo Bills Wild West Show. It didn't take long before Annie earned the title as a champion woman shooter of the world. So we had Annie Oakley and Alpina at one time. And this week's question is, what local exhibit made it into the 1979 Guinness Book of World Records? And it's... Quite an exhibit. Any guesses? I don't want to guess anything. I, I, I like guessing next week, though. I do enjoy I like letting it marinate. Last week, we kind of, I don't know, if those that listen, we kind of, for lack of a better term, shit the bed last week. But, it, I mean, everyone should have known, I think. But maybe not. All right. Have a guess? No guesses from me. I have no idea. All right. I guess we'll find out the question later, or the answer later. And now we'll take a break and come back later. Johnny, um, why don't you tell everyone a little bit about yourself, where you're from, which I kind of know. And um, But I, mean, I think a lot of people know that you work for the Alpena News. You're, you cover the sports in the area. But I really appreciate um, your background. First and foremost, because not only did you play lots of sports, so I mean, which we're big fans of here at the, on our show, but um, you also got to play that I, I consider the college, collegiate level. So you have some perspective there, and um, then of course, you, you know, you have your you cover sports now. So why don't you just give us the whole thing? Well, born and raised right here in Alpena, so been here for twenty-two of my twenty-seven years. The other five were spent at Olivet College, so was home once in a while there, but grew up, uh, grew up around sports. I mean, when I was, when I was a kid, I think my first words were, 
reciting the Pistons starting lineup of <laughs> Isaiah Thomas, Joe Dumars, Buddha Edwards, Bill Lambeer, Mark Aguirre, you know, John Sally, Vinny Johnson. So um, I, I just grew up around sports. Uh, fortunately, my parents both enjoy sports, was taken to Pistons, Tigers, Red Wings, Lions games, you know, all throughout my early childhood. I have pictures with Isaiah Thomas, uh, threw sand in Sergei Fedorov's eyes at a <laughs> charity softball game here in Alpena. So, yeah, it's uh, it, it's funny how, um, you know, growing up at such an early age, being around sports and then continuing to play them throughout, I guess, um, my youth days, playing football, baseball, and hockey, and then to see, you know, fast forward to now and being able to cover them. I mean, that's, that's my career now. So, I mean, it's, you've come full circle. I, yeah, it's, I mean, I've anything and that's, it's sports have, it's really the only thing uh, that I've known. I mean, like, <laughs> like I mentioned, I don't get into the politics uh, in school. I was never good, never good at math. I can do statistics and follow statistics <laughs> and everything, but you know, math, science, all that writing, writing in sports. So, Fortunately, there was a career out there for me in writing and sports, and uh, that's what I'm doing right now. Yeah. So, um, why don't you let's? What sports did you play at high school? High school, uh, high school. My high school career was interesting because I had goals of playing three high school sports, three varsity sports. Um, came out as a freshman and played football. First three games, actually, was my first first game at Wildcat Stadium. Um, blew out my shoulder in the first play of the second half on defense. So um, kind of kind of rough way to start my high school career there. Um, then I was kind of went, went to Dr. Bruce Omart and he gave me the option of not rehabbing and playing playing hockey because I was I had the goal of trying out for the varsity hockey team as a freshman and I was a goalie. So it was my glove hand and I, he's like you you run the risk of not being not being able to play baseball if your shoulder comes out again because second time will require, will require surgery. So I thought about it, and I was like, I made the decision to go with where my passion was and where I thought I was best at, so I made a decision to skip hockey, which I thought was just going to be a one-year thing, play baseball. Um, got moved up to the JV team, so I did that. Then sophomore year, made it through a healthy football season, decided again not to play hockey. They were coming off of a final four year. And I was like, man, the year removed from a sport. And I was one of those people growing up that sport to sport, you know, year round, it was, you know, there was no breaks. Mm -hmm. So after having a break for a while, it was interesting because I was still kind of, you know, trying to get my shoulder because I didn't want to, didn't want to have it, you know, pop up that second time and get the surgery. So I didn't play hockey again, played baseball and then got moved up to varsity late in my sophomore year. Then Junior season football, I had the plans to try out for hockey junior year. And, again, first day of practice junior year, shoulder popped out again. So went down to Beaumont and Detroit. Um, Joe Gettler was my uh, was my doctor. So he put the put the shoulder back in and actually did a bunch of rehab down there too. So it came back better and stronger and then had a very good junior baseball season and started getting offers and then – Decided not to play football or hockey my senior year and attended camp showcases because I know how hard it is to get noticed. <coughs> noticed around here, it's tough, uh, you know, tough for all athletes. It's getting a little bit, a little bit better now, but I think it's just 
testament to some of the athletes that we have up here and some some of the doors that have opened up here. So, but I was able to um, put together two very strong varsity baseball seasons, uh, hold a couple of records at the school. So, um, which are which are uh, at bats one hundred and twenty one and walks of thirty nine. So both yeah. still stand. And then, nice. So got a few of those and um, went on to the collegiate level. So I came down to a few colleges and made my decision to go to Olivet, and it was a, was a perfect decision for me. I'm going to hold you off at Olivet. Your 2010 baseball team was a really good team. Yep, set a school record. Yep. yep. Um, you got – when I went – I tried to always do a little bit of – and I was busy at work today, so I didn't get all that I want, but I did find that 2010 team you had it was a really, really good team. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, what I only thing I remember about that year, honestly, was um, – what do you get as with the baseball at the end of districts? Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, um, Scooter's a great, you know. And we did it for uh, – we were happy to get that one for Lori, too. That was yeah. that was really what it was for. I mean, we we had a lot of pressure on us because we thought we we thought we should let one get away uh, the year before mm-hmm. in 2009. So we got we got to the championship game, and we fell behind 2-0, and then there was a big rain delay. It really, it really kind of threw us for a loop. We ended up getting getting beat pretty bad by West in the championship game, but it was fun to go over there to, and that was on our home field. So it was fun to go over to Traverse City Central our senior year and beat West in ten innings, one nothing. Uh, we just, I mean, it was just an incredible game. Uh, Zach Holly pitched the game, uh, pitched incredible, probably probably the best game of his career. <laughs> and um, then we ended up, uh, Anthony Garrett pitched the second game. Two, two juniors took the mound for us, and we were able to beat uh, Trevor City Central 5-2. to two. So, yeah, it was, that was awesome. That's, that's a memory that I won't forget. And um, that was our first, that was Alpina's first district title since 1997. So we got the got the monkey off our back and went to uh, went to regionals that year. But it was, was good to get one for Coach McKenzie and Lori because we knew how we know how important it was not only to Scott as a coach to get that district title, but how important it was for him and Lori. Yeah. Um, I remember hearing about that at, um, at the time. It, it feels like it was a lifetime ago almost, but um, it really, when you look at the calendar, it wasn't too that long ago. But uh, I do remember that you guys had a good squad that year. So then you get to Olivet. Um, Olivet has a lot of big ties for us. Um, um, Alice's twin brother wrestled, yep. as you yep. know, um, um, at Olivet. So, we're not strangers to Olivet by any stretch of imagination. My favorite Olivet alumnus, no offense to you, is Max Lindsay, who um, those of you who don't know better recognize. Max is like a legend down there. So, um, <laughs> um, but yeah, why don't you tell me a little bit about your baseball career at Olivet? I was surprised at how many people from Alpena went on to Olivet because I was the first one in a while. I mean, most of the most of the kids, other than um, Aaron, yeah. were a lot a lot older than me. So. It was uh, interesting, but we kind of started a started a trend there after that because uh, Tom Dealey went, Sean Kane went. Um, there was a handful from the area that are currently going there now. But um, no, my time at Olivet was was awesome. I mean, I it came down to three schools: Alma, Albion, and Olivet. And I basically made the decision to go where I thought I could play right away because that was. That was my I, – I had a couple offers at smaller Division two schools and a couple of bigger NAIA schools. But for me, it was just, you know, what 
what's going to get me on the field the quickest or at least give me an opportunity to compete for a spot. So felt like Olivet was the um, place to go for there. And obviously they have the, they had the journalism um, program there. So that was big. Um, so got there and was the, was the last freshman to start. Um, Coach Ted Mahan was, was my manager and he was uh, actually played at uh, university of Michigan. He was a catcher. Um, also coached for a while at Michigan State. So going going to a school, a smaller school that had a coach like that with that kind of background was uh, kind of cool too. And despite me being the last freshman of the league, because I think coach only saw me twice. I saw him at a camp and then he invited me back just to, you know, watch a game. And then he, um, uh, you know, after, after he invited me back to watch the game, he came to our regional game against uh, Saginaw Heritage. And got to see me play there, talked to me afterwards, said, you know, look forward to look forward to seeing you in a couple months. So ended up going there. Um, despite being the last freshman to play, I played my first game against Davenport, which was a, you know, an AIA powerhouse <coughs> on the baseball diamond about midway through my freshman season. That was, that was my first game that I started. I went two for three. And after that, uh, two for three batting ninth in the order. After that game, I spent the final half of the season, played the last, Played the last 16 games, 14 of the 16, which were conference games, and spent time batting leadoff and second in the order. And the rest was pretty much history. That's where I spent pretty much my top top four, <coughs> top four in the order of the final uh, four years of my career. I ended up getting, ended up breaking my hand my senior year, which was a huge scare for me because I, re- I remember when you broke your hand because mm-hmm. um, maybe I think we loosely talked about it on here, but never really officially so we will we have a facebook group um a sports group that, and then at that time maybe a year before you got added in and then of course by default kind of became friends with you and i remember when you broke your hand then and um i remember you were upset <laughs> yeah. it, it was tough i it was I, I was coming off of a great junior season i batted 326 i mean led the offense in a lot of categories and was you know among the top so i was I was happy to come back. Didn't get off to the start that I wanted to in Florida, and that's I love love playing in Florida. Didn't get didn't get the start I wanted to, and came back. It was my first doubleheader back. I laid down a bunt down the first baseline and tried to avoid the tag. Went in sliding head first, and middle finger on my left hand kind of bent over. I wasn't. I thought it was just me jamming my finger. I jammed my finger thousands of times, and just something didn't feel right. And I took off my batting glove and looked. Didn't notice anything, so I continued. Continued with the at backs. The umpire called it foul. All the couple pitches off, and after following a couple pitches off, I knew knew something was wrong. But decided to finish the at bat. Ended up flying out, but came back to the dugout after. Took my biting glove off, and the hand was swollen. Trainer came over and said, yeah, "I think your hand's broke." So went to the went to the doctor. Hand was broke, and yeah, I'm thinking right there, man, this sucks. Yeah. This sucks. Uh, you know. Four years of hard work, and you get cut short. But fortunately for me, I ended up there was a there was a plus one rule. Still to this day, don't exactly know what it is. I didn't look too much. Into <laughs> yeah. it. I let, let the trainer do that, and she did a great job. Amanda Cox was our trainer. She she took care of me um, very well, you know, through all that because I probably wasn't the easiest person to get along with. <laughs> so so many emotions going on there. But um, if I would have gotten hurt in, because I got hurt in the first game of the doubleheader, if I would have got hurt in the second, I would not have been able. I would have lost my eligibility for that for the rest of that season and just been done. 
But because I got hurt in the 11th game of the season, it wasn't exactly a quarter of our season. So I got a medical red shirt. So got the word that I was able to come back. So did the uh, did therapy and stuff down there in Marshall at their state-of-the-art facility there. It was unbelievable. You know, a place, smaller place like Marshall was, I didn't, didn't think, they told me, oh, you, you'll go. I, was, I, I thought I was going to go to Lansing. For, yeah. You know, that's where I went to see the doctor and everything. And they're like, no, you're going to go to Marshall. I'm thinking, man, I want some state-of-the-art you know, treatment yeah. here. But that place there was unbelievable. I mean, it was brand new, and they did a tremendous job, too. And then came back here to Thunder Bay Therapy, worked out all summer long, got ready, and got to uh, got to experience, um, I guess, the life of a, an, a Division One player, a Division One star. You know, yeah. I didn't that, – that next fall, I – Went down there. I didn't have to because I was set to graduate and everything with my credits. I was taking enough credits, so I was set to graduate that year. So instead of graduating, and thanks to my parents for paying another year for me <laughs> to go to school, but uh, yeah, to go back and I didn't I didn't take classes that first semester, so that was awesome. We did I did fall ball practices for about two months and got to you know hang out and do all the other college extracurriculars, we'll call them. Yeah. And, I didn't have to go to class, so that was that was cool. But then ended up just taking the minimum of twelve credits the second semester and got to play ball again and ended my senior my would have been my senior year, you know, yeah. my fifth year. Um in I guess I would say in style. I mean, didn't have the record that we were hoping we were a few games short of getting to the postseason, but um as far as my individual accomplishments and everything, had a very good year and was was blessed to be able to come back for that final year. Yeah. That's awesome. So then, um, you did you intern at Alpino for a while, or I actually uh, during college, actually during high school too. I um, during my senior year when we switched to trimesters, that kind of threw a bunch of stuff off too. We we were in semesters and then they switched to trimesters to make sure you know everybody was graduating on time. So I actually interned for a class during high school at True North Radio with Ray McDay. Yeah, and um, my uncle Daryl, who owns the station, kind of helped me get in there. So I did some sports there with Ray, and then afterwards um, got another internship for credits while I was at college, and I did that during the summer, same True North Radio. So then I, I think I mentioned this too. I think on a Facebook post, Ray was really important to me. You know, him, him and Daryl getting me into that door, and you know, helping me out and showing me kind of what it was all about. And you know, a few years later. Here I am working at the Alpena News, and it's just a, just been a really smooth, smooth transition. Thank Oliver College for, I mean, getting me prepared to do all that too. Um, you've written two articles that I found are just exceptional. How they were written, how they were thought out, and I could tell that you weren't just writing to maybe like necessarily kick over a rock or trying to draw um, attention to an issue, which you did, but. You could tell that you cared about him. Uh, the first one was the article about um, area schools and records and keeping and everything that goes along with that. And as we've entered a digital age, how um, there's a lot of just our areas lacking in that. And it's not one school, it's all the schools. In one way or another, they're all lacking. And it's easy. I mean, a lot of these schools are on a shoestring budget. You know that you see that more than anyone else. And it's hard to figure out who's going to take the time and the energy and, and, you know, in some cases just finding all the data where it's at. And the other article is about Ray and um, 
there are just really exceptional article. Um, I know it caught a lot of people off guard, including yourself. Oh yeah. Yeah. And he was a good dude. So, um, but yeah. So you've been writing for the news for how many years? This will be my, like we were talking before, this will actually be my full four year class. So this will be the, my, all the freshmen that I came in originally watching, they are seniors now. We'll be graduating here in a couple months. So this will be my fourth, this baseball season will be my fourth season. So this is my fourth year at the paper. This uh, next August will be number five. So it's crazy how crazy how fast it's gone. But, you know, what's crazy is, have you had three Alpina football coaches in the time you've been here? Yeah. We've, uh, <laughs> we've been, me and myself and James have, have joked about that. We're like, yeah, how many uh, how many coaches are we going to go through? But we, it's, and it's not just Alpina either. We've, we've gone through, there's, we counted, even since I've been here, which is only four years, which isn't, I mean, is isn't very long. Yeah. Um, there's a handful of coaches, new coaches around the area. And it's, it's a shame that there's not that longevity. I mean, some programs still have it. There, there are a handful of programs that you know have the same coach. But um, yeah, we have definitely experienced our fair share of you know new coaches and meeting new coaches, which is never a bad thing. I always enjoy meeting new people, but just um, I guess it's harder for the schools and the programs to not have that longevity. Yeah, I think you see that in the football program, mm-hmm. especially you know when a coach comes in and he wants to implement a program for lack of a better term, and kind of structure things out a certain way. And then after a year or two, a new, you know, whatever reason, then the new guy comes in and he's got to start over and create his own culture and his own. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, sports, high school sports especially, you really have to, for lack of a better term, you have to farm it out a little bit. Mm-hmm. And you have to create that program at, at you know, elementary school, at junior high, that gets kids playing and excited about sports that will lead to kids that want to play sports at, at the high school level. So, um, and, it, and it takes time, too. It's patience, and, you know, it's 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 tough for especially, I know, for the parents, especially um, Alpina in particular. Um, you know, it's been a while since we've had a, uh, a, good, a good football team, a good product on our football field. But um, one thing that we've got going for us is Coach Sims, I think, is definitely the right guy. He's he has put more time into that program than anybody I've ever seen, and this is somebody who's you know I've seen several coaches and been in the program, and it's he has changed slowly changing the culture there, and I think you know within the next couple of years you're gonna you're gonna start to see results, and I think they finally got somebody that they're gonna they're gonna have for a while, and somebody that's you know willing to put in the time and effort for the program, and that's. That's what uh, that's what a program needs. Yeah, Coach Sims seems exceptional. He is, and that's he is. the word I want to use for him. I have actually never met him. Um, I've been on it. I was introduced through him to an email through Tim Sorich because I am. I don't think you've heard this, but I am going to tackle the record books. It's going to be my goal over the next couple of years. I'm going to start with football, and then go to basketball, and I'm going to try to. We're going to try to figure out where all this data is, and we're going to just slowly work on it. And um, I think it's important. You oh, know? Yes, it and um, we could talk about that later. But um, I, and I have people that want to help, and that's the beautiful thing is when people have heard that, like, oh, you're going to do that. Like Aaron Flick is one of the people that really motivates Aaron Flick, Flick and Matt Mishinsky both who are really close friends of mine, and both had great high school careers, and. To try to find any information or a data on that, you, you just can't. 
Um, and for those two, just to know what it's like, obviously they're record holders themselves, so they they have the feeling of knowing what it's like to break a record. So, and that's that was my whole point of that that one article was, you know, granted every it is it is about the team, but to a certain extent, you know, you gotta if the kid's close to breaking a record, they need to be recognized. And the two that you mentioned there, um, Aaron and Matt, I mean, they know what it's like. So, I mean, kudos to them for, you know, helping you out to try and um, better, you know, the circumstances for the athletes at the school, because it's seeing over the past year, some of those records go unnoticed. I mean, that's, I would hate to be, you know, in their shoes and just say, I mean, Austin Lake, for example, we found out that he had the points record. You know, <laughs> he graduated five years ago, six years ago. I mean, it's, it, that's something like that's tragic. It is. It really and, is. And um, it's terrible for us to talk about it in mm-hmm. this way, you know, be like, oh, yeah, by the way, um, you know, as you start looking at what Logan did, people start. And that's that's my whole point. And my other thing is I. You know, I have, I'm really close with that 1997-98 high school basketball team. I'm good friends with a lot of those guys. And what they did was special. Brad's close with a lot of them, too. And to be able to go through there and so much of what we have to call upon is what we remember. Mm-hmm. You can't find a lot of it. And it's just too bad because I know people wish they could. I know mm-hmm. I know for a fact. And um it's just going to take a lot of time and work, but you know, if, like I said, I got people that want to help, and I have my buddy here who's amazing at Excel spreadsheets. So um, it's just more of inputting the data and gathering it. So. Yeah, I know they got the boards created and ready to at least go for it. So I'm glad that I mean, I I it was hard for me to write that article because it was like, man, how do I approach this without you know put I didn't it wasn't my intention to put anybody on blast, but. You know, it's it's you put yourself in the athlete's shoes, and I mean, it's that's an awful feeling. I yeah. mean, it's got to be an awful feeling, you know, because they they work just as hard as anybody. I mean, they're out there doing the best they can for the team, and um, you know, when they're able to do something for themselves too, they should definitely definitely go notice. I think the part of though what I hope people can understand and that are listening to this is taking care of those people that have done that. That's what building a program is, mm-hmm. though. You know, you look at Fuelling up in Roger City, mm-hmm. what she just did, and Alshu was able to go out to the game, be there when the record, mm-hmm. you know, when her record was broken. Um, those are the type of things where, it, one, it shows you that the city and the t- program appreciates what Ashley did mm-hmm. and what it meant to it, and then you get to appreciate what you have with Fuelling, what she's done. With yeah, it. with Taylor. Taylor, yeah, yeah one of the one of the best female athletes I've seen at any level. I mean, she's, she's gifted. She could have, Taylor could have went to, she could have went to college to play any of the three sports, but she chose to play volleyball at Lake state. And I'm sure she's going to do fantastic there, but volleyball, basketball, softball for, that's one of the, I mentioned, you know, watching the freshman grow. I mean, it was incredible to watch Taylor Fleming grow because she started as a freshman. It's like, man, if she, you know, if she puts forth the effort and works hard, what she did, she's going to be good. And I mean, she, she uh, definitely exceeded the expectations. I think that uh, more than exceeded expectations, you know, from what everybody had of her, because she, she was, uh, she had an unbelievable career. So looking yeah. forward to seeing her on the softball field this spring. Cause I know she's, uh, Huron's got some unfinished business. Well, and they're not, yeah, exactly. She's not done yet. Oh, and, yeah. and that's shows you what a gamer she is. Cause, mm-hmm. um, 
there's I don't know her at all. I mean, I know her mom a little bit, mm-hmm. but I know athletes like her. Oh, where yeah. I mean, as much as she loves basketball and all those other sports, and she's doing great. I mean, it's softball season. I mean, that's when that's what you know they they want to win. So and it's it's going to be interesting too to see how well she does on the volleyball court, just to focus on one sport too. I mean, because she's one of those people, you know, busy all busy year round. But to see her focus just on one sport, just to see how dominant she can possibly be, and she's been dominant in all three sports that she's played during her time in Rogers City. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll take a break. That wraps up Johnny and his kind of – I knew this was going to be like this. So, mm-hmm. so all right, we'll take a break. You have the, the – I don't know, the privilege of getting to cover a lot of uh, – some of – we've had some – we've had a good run of local sports lately. Absolutely. And um, you get to have a front row seat for a lot of it. Best seat in home. Well, <laughs> second best. Yeah, as I always say, it's a you know I get get paid to go watch sports. I said that's the only thing better would be getting paid to play. But you know, there's only only so many people that are uh, blessed to be able to have that uh, you know that ability and that privilege. So, but I got the next best thing, and I'm uh, I'm loving every minute of it. Um, let's work backwards. Let's talk a little hockey. So we we've had a great hockey right here in town. Unbelievable season. Um. In a lot of ways, it kind of ends on a bitter note due to the fact that um, the as the long season kind of caught up with the kids, mm-hmm. and um, it just certainly didn't end the way they wanted to. And I don't mean that by the scoreboard. I meant more of you don't like to see um, all the kids not get to leave, to skate off the ice. Right. Yeah. To have you know three or four kids not be able to play that third period in a in a game that was tied at one to one after two periods. I mean, and a little bit of momentum shifted towards Alpina, but I think, you know, you never know what happened when they went into the locker room and everything, but you see, you know, three or four of your, you look across the room, three or four of your guys are getting looked at by the trainer and not giving the okay to go back. Oh, that's, uh, that's definitely demoralizing for a team, especially in a big game like that. Yeah. Um, I remember listening to the game um, with Matt Mashinsky and you just all of a sudden you don't hear the names being called that mm-hmm. you're used to being here. You're used to hearing, and then they score a goal, and then all of a sudden you're still not hearing the names, and you figure out what's going on. I mean, you you always want to do what's best for the athlete, of course, but um, it's like like you said, it's certainly not the way you want it to end. So yeah, it was it was tough, but I mean, just a just an unbelievable season. I mean, and Chris said it was. I, I think what made it so special too, and I, I had talked to Chris about this before, was not just the fact that they, you know, tied a school record for, you know, wins in a season with twenty three and everything, but the fact that made what made this season so interesting was the fact that Chris was with this group after he resigned, we'll say. Yeah. Um, he was with this group because um, his son Owen was playing. And he was with this group for nearly 10 years. I mean, when he, when he wasn't coaching the varsity team, he was with this group uh, when they were the Thunder Bay Rex. And he said they were always playing, playing good competition. They were, I mean, they were a good team from when they were kids on up. So, I mean, that's special. That's something you don't see every day. You know, you see a coach start with a group, you know, when they're 10, 11 years old until they graduate. So, to see them, you know, tie a school record, win a big North title, win a regional championship, that's, I mean, that's just icing on the cake right there. I was able to catch up with Coach um, 
I think it was at Neiman's. I ran into him maybe about a month ago. I was just congratulating him on the run and what he's been able to do. And I asked him to come on, and at the time he agreed to. We've had a couple of people agree to, and then they don't return the call. But he actually seemed genuinely excited to get on and you know just talk about everything that you know. He's had. He's got a great story behind and his whole. Well, Chris is a great guy. Yeah. Too. So uh, I was excited to have him on. And um, so let's see, Hillman. I think one of the, my favorite things is. Um, the Hillman and his school seemed to like to always have either the boys or the girls basketball team relevant. And it did not hurt my feelings at all. See the boys team struggle this year a little bit. Um, Posen's had to rebuild. I mean, my favorite Eric Kaczynski story and Eric will come on this pod this, this year um, is that um, when Eric took over the Hillman program was when Matt Ponick and Aaron Hanska were on the Posen team and they just gave him the business. And, of course, they're rivals. So, oh, yeah. You know, being only 20 minutes from each other, that's going to happen. And um, the table's turned over the past 10 years yeah. you know, or whatever. And I remember uh, two years ago I said to Eric, I said, do you think you could just take it easy on the kid this one year? And he goes, Steve, that team run up the score on me so many times. He goes, they have a couple still more coming from me. And um, it was funny to watch the table turn this year. Um, but they had a really good girls team this year, correct? They, it was interesting. It was interesting. I mean, I, I remember watching the, I mean, I've been a part of two Hellman district championships. The one they lost to Onaway, um, the first year I was there, weird ending, just crazy ending, fun game to watch, fun <laughs> game for me to write about, but interesting ending. And then they ended up, um, winning two district titles in a row and they played uh, powers North central lost in the quarterfinal and lost to Buckley and lost in the quarterfinal. But, um, yeah, so this year it was different not going – I mean, going to Hellman and not seeing the fan support after mm-hmm. the first couple of games. When And I I have a good relationship with Eric, and we talked, and we kind of – we knew that there was going to be some down years coming. And yeah. he knew this year was going to be a little bit of a struggle, and at times it definitely was. And they ended up um, getting beat by uh, Posen in the uh, district semifinal game. Uh, the girls – also kind of in the same boat, except, and I'll give credit to um, their coach, John Kazuski, who did, who did a fantastic job. It's, um, we're actually voting on our um, coach of the year on the yeah. girls' side, and it's really tough. I mean, the obvious choice would be Mark Toppy. They He led Oscoda to an undefeated record. <coughs> the, what John Kazuski was able to do, they were, they started the season, I think, losing their first seven games of the season. And I, they only had six people on the team. Mm-hmm. And they ended up winning, I think, uh, nine of their last 11 to finish around 500. And ended up bringing a couple of girls from the JV team up later on in the season. And ended up getting an uh, upset win over Posen and <laughs> yeah. upset Onaway. And then ended up winning the district title. And then ran into a very good St. Ignace team. Um, but you had to see if somebody would have told me five games into the season, <laughs> no one's going to be in the district championship and they're going to win it. I was going to, I put all my money I had on it and say, ah, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. But uh tremendous uh, coaching job there and a tremendous job for the girls who really pulled together too. That's one thing I noticed. I mean, cause I heard a lot of things like, Oh, some of the girls don't get along. That's why they're lacking numbers and everything. And you hear stories and I never put too much into it, yeah. but uh, team chemistry was definitely there. And those, uh, those Hellman girls this year really worked, worked together and, uh, definitely surprised me, and I'm sure they surprised a lot of other people by winning the district title. Team buy-in is huge. I mean, mm-hmm. at any level, being able to buy in what the coach is doing, but but 
Um, your chemistry can play an amazing, an amazing. I've seen that firsthand on, on the good and the bad, watching my kids go through the um, the support system at Pozen um, throughout the years. Um, sounds weird, but uh, girls tennis. We had somebody in the finals one year or we last did. year. Yep. Yeah, so we, uh, we had uh, somebody in the finals last year, and then we had um, a couple years ago. Uh, Cam Decker was uh, went to the finals. So the team overall team hasn't been great over the last couple of years, but it's nice to see that you know we're uh, producing some talent to get onto the uh, the state level. So I know I know Charlie's happy with that. That's talking. I mean, we mentioned uh, Coach Sims with football. Charlie's the same way with tennis. He's been around tennis forever and. Talk about somebody that's uh, really invested not only into the sport but the program and just I mean teaching the kids in general. I mean Charlie Charlie does a fantastic job and definitely a definitely a big fan of Charlie. Yeah, the um, Gwen's only now she's a sophomore, but last year she was only a freshman. So um, lots of fun stuff. Um, hopefully it works out well. Uh, yeah, she's got a lot of time to, and I I'm sure she's been working. That's one of the one of the things we got going for us too. You know, you got uh, the tennis pros and you know all the stuff going on at the Aplex. So. Uh, plenty of opportunity to practice year-round for tennis, which is, isn't the case for some of our other sports. So hopefully she's taking full advantage of that, which I've heard she is. So she'll, uh, <laughs> hopefully she'll continue to continue to do well, and we'll be seeing her uh, maybe later on this season and in the next couple of years. So uh, how's our baseball team looking? Baseball team is going to be going to be interesting. I think um, I think we've got a couple kids returning. We lost a decent amount of seniors um, last year, but um, I know uh, Bruce Copping will be back. He'll be he'll be big for them on the mound and at the plate. Um, the one kid I'm really looking forward to seeing is Keegan Spomer. We ran a story on him about going, him going to the <laughs> Disney World and everything like that. So um, heard he throws heard he throws some heat. You know, 85 to 90 miles an hour. So that's uh, that's impressive at the high school level. So and he's only a junior. So he's got He's got two years left, so it's gonna be gonna be interesting. Um, uh, it was they had a come from behind uh, victory to win the district in a game that I actually left early. I wasn't covering, but I uh, was over at softball, and they had a game finish. I was like, yeah, I'll come over and watch baseball for a little bit while they're getting beat by uh, Traverse City West, and I think they were down like eight to five or something like that. And I was like, yeah, I'm gonna get out of here. I'm gonna split. And said goodbye to James, and all of a sudden, I'm on my way back to work, looking at Facebook and everything. I see post district champions. I was like, man, oh man, what a mistake! <laughs> I get back to the office to see James there, and yeah, you'll never believe what happened. I was like, well, I heard, so tell me about it. Yeah, so they won a district title, and they uh, came up a little short last year. But I, it's a group that Phil has had for a while. There's uh, obviously still players from that district championship team on the team this year, so they um, they definitely have the potential to win another district title, and uh, as always, compete in the big north. They always compete in the big north. Yeah. Um, we would be remiss if we didn't take a, um, a total, complete opposite turn to talk about a little March Madness basketball since we have here. And, um, I know Brad last week and I, we have Brad Summers out with the Blazer Girls Club. We kind of talked about some games to watch. Um, anything catch you off guard? Surprise? The Duke game. Yeah. Uh, I, and I mean, just watching it and everything and still thinking about it, it's like, why did it, why did they go for the why does UCF go for the uh, alley oop at the end of the game because that's the that's a game changer right there they they convert that alley oop it's a, it's a six point game instead of a four and then obviously tables turn momentum shifts a little bit that missed dunk was 
probably far the biggest thing. Yeah. I mean, no one wants to talk about that, right? Yeah. Because it's it's easy to talk about missed calls the and tip, other yeah. Shot and stuff yeah. Like that. yeah, but really that guy, even if he lays it in, mm-hmm. it changes the whole complex of the game. You know, Duke almost has to go for three at that point. Yep. Um, and UCF only, I think that was kind of perusing beforehand really quick. They really shoot free throws well on that team. So it would have been a hard time for Duke to really just, you know, when you start having to foul kids and you're sending kids that are 75, 80% to the line, you know, not like 40%, which is what you ideally want in those situations. Any surprises, Brad? Well, I guess how chalk it's been, you know, all the top three seeds in each region advanced and I have a five and a 12 and one. So it's just, it's crazy how dominant the top part of the seedings have been. I think that's what surprised me the most. Mm -hmm. I think my bracket is terrible, but when I went through my bracket, the whole time I was going through it, I was like, I don't know because I watched so much college basketball. It's probably you know, paralysis by analysis for me. I'm like, I can see any of these teams winning or losing. And I started like, when you get to the end and you can submit for the million dollars, I didn't even bother clicking it because I was like, there's no point in me even doing this because I know that I'm one, I'm not going to win. I'm wasting my time, but it was just, it's really weird. But with that being said, what has surprised has been the lack of what I thought would happen. The season had so much parity to it. And you're right. A lot of them, I think everyone's alive. You know, all the teams that should have won won, with the exception of Duke, and they skated by. They should not have won that game last night. Yeah. Well, I think I was watching something on ESPN today, and they said that Taco Fall should have just let Zion go in for the dunk. You're, then you're still up one, and you get the ball. And he doesn't fall out. Yeah. So and he gets the rebound on the missed free throw. Yeah. I mean, it's, well, they yeah. wouldn't have had the free throw because they would have been bouncing right. the ball yeah. and Duke would have had the foul. And it's just, it was a crazy game. Yeah, well, and then, of course, the, the I see a lot of Duke hate because I mean, you guys know I'm a Duke guy. Most of the people all talk about how Zion should have been a call for that offensive foul. That led, you know, when he pushed off that guard, it should never have gotten into the key at that point. But they're just not going to make that call in no. that situation. We, we all know that. Because there was a hook and hole, too, on the free throw. That I mean, that's the problem. In a game like that, and, and so many times you want the refs to let them play. You don't. You never – like that Hillman um, game, when the, you can see the refs, you, you don't go to watch the refs. Mm-hmm. So you never want to see the refs influence the game like that, really that badly. And um, it's just too bad. It is. I got me and Matt were watching the game and it was over and it's a couple minutes after. I, I said to Matt, I was like, man, I got a headache from that game. <laughs> it's like, I know we were just sitting here, but it was so intense. Well, that's what you wanted, right? Though, I mean, we talked about it beforehand. We would text throughout the week or the past weekend and you were like, man, this kind of, because Brad takes the weekend off for those who don't know and he watches and I'm supposed to take the time off work. But I always bail and I never do, but long story short, we would text, and he was like, "I'm like, how are you doing?" He's like, "Games are kind of boring." And you, you're right; that game was finally an exciting game. We actually had a, we actually had two that day, so we had an overtime. We had our first overtime oh, game of that. Yeah. One, so the LSU Maryland game was kind of go to on Saturday, but it's just been a lot of blowouts this year. Just... A lot of people too uh, think that. I mean, they watch that Duke game. And it's like, well, Duke's Duke's beatable. 
Um, in my opinion, I think a game like that is going to help propel them because, you know, they saw how close they were to losing and obviously didn't play their best. Yeah. Um, it's a, I mean, I think it's a game like that, you know, where you, where you probably shouldn't have won that you escape. And now, you know, they may roll the next, the next couple of games, but a lot of people, I've seen comments that, you know, oh, they're, they've shown that they're beatable, but you know, obviously anybody's beatable. I think a game like that could definitely, you know, definitely motivate them going forward. That's a perfect game for Duke on mm-hmm. so many different levels. You had a guy that knew everything about Duke inside and out. Mm-hmm. You know, Coach Dawkins is a Duke guy. So, and then of course his kid. It's unbelievable, and he grew up in the Duke program. So it was just a whole bunch of things, and the fact that they came away with it, you're right. So what do you think about Michigan or Michigan State? Who do you got? I think Michigan's got a really tough matchup against Texas Tech. Yeah. I I don't like their matchup. I I mean, they're the two best defensive teams in the country, but I, I just feel like Tech's got a little more offensive firepower than Michigan does. I I think that's gonna I think that's gonna be the game to watch yeah. in this next round. I think that's gonna be the most competitive game. Um, I think Michigan State's got a better matchup. Oh than yeah, Michigan does. But I think uh, I think I think Michigan State will win. Um, I would obviously at this point you're not surprised if anybody wins or loses, mm-hmm. but. Um, I definitely think Michigan's got the tougher draw, and I'd be. I I hope to see them both. I mean, I I hope one of two scenarios happens: either Duke, North Carolina, play in the national championship, or Michigan, Michigan State plays for a chance to go to yeah. the national championship. I think if those, just because the games have been, I mean, so competitive, you get that last game between North Carolina and Duke in the regular season. I mean, you get one like that for the national championship. Could you imagine? Yeah. And then Michigan, Michigan State, you know, both of their uh, late season matchups, you know. Uh, I think that's uh, ratings to be through the roof there. I uh, it is an absolute terrible matchup for Michigan, mm-hmm. and Brad and I we've talked about this on the pod. For those who listen, or very few, but the it's not rocket science that how you slow Michigan down. Mm-hmm. So Michigan is going to have to be able to. Somebody's going to have to be able to hit from the outside for them, mm-hmm. and if they do, they're going to be all right. But if they don't. It could be a tough game for Michigan because Texas Tech definitely knows they play great defense and they're going to slow Michigan down. Mm-hmm. It's just the plain and simple. Yeah. Save yourself. has got to hit that open shot. Yeah. Keep saying it till the day. We, I mean, we, t- we, t- we talked about this for a long time. You're right. Mm-hmm. At least that's Duke's problem, too. Is yep. Central Florida was just backing off Trey Jones and Dwyer. In March, we've, we've talked about this, too. Your guard is so critical in, oh, in this time of year. And when the guard flourishes, teams flourish. You know, you look at even we talk about Duke's national championship year. Tyus Jones was huge that year. I mean, he, he really is what carried you do with that whole entire year. I mean, J. Hill and all those guys are great, but it was really Tyus's play. of And um, Trey, his brother, has to play better. Okay. And you look at Purdue – how well they've played. Yeah. And he's been playing phenomenal Mm -hmm. and you can see how great guard play can carry somebody. Cassius Winston's a perfect example. too. I mean, he's been, he's been unbelievable too. So it'll be, it'll be interesting. I, there's, I think there's a lot of very good and intriguing matchups. I think the Virginia tech Duke, uh, rematch will be pretty good too. Now that, uh, obviously Robinson's back and, you know, getting a couple games under his belt in the tournament, I think, could make for a could make for an interesting game too. Yeah. 
<clears throat> any anything you're surprised about? I'm. I guess what I'm saying is I'm lack. I'm surprised at the lack of surprises. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's been a boring tournament. I'm not gonna lie. Hopefully this week, this next four days will be boring. Than the fact that the teams that are supposed to win have won. Yes, and all the blowouts. Yeah, I think we've only had one buzzer beater. The layup um, that when LSU beat Maryland. I, I think other than that, I don't know if there's been any the buzzer beater other than the tip that didn't go. Yeah, yeah I mean the games that have been there's there haven't been many that have been in doubt. Right. Yeah. So other than that, no. So who you got winning? Who do you got in the final four? So let's go final four this weekend. I've got Duke, Michigan, Virginia, North Carolina. And I have Duke, Gonzaga, Tennessee, and North Carolina. I have North Carolina, Tennessee, Duke, and then it must be Michigan. I think what's weird is, as ugly as my bracket is, I'm dead last in our group. My final four is still, still alive. alive. <laughs> but everyone's final four probably is alive because there hasn't been any. I actually said, um, I forgot who I was texting last night, but I said, you know what? Not that I ever want Duke to lose, but bracket-wise – I think for any – the only way I stand a chance of winning that March Madness issue was Duke losing that game because so many people have Duke winning now. And it's never like that in our group, the group that we're part of. It's usually like four of us, and then everybody else is just whoever they are. So I think Michigan State could beat Duke. Like you just mentioned, guard play. I mean, that's yeah. – when I'm filling out my bracket, that's – you know, I'm really looking at that too, and it was – I, I think I think I filled out four or five different brackets, and I had Michigan State and Duke playing in every one of them. So, yeah. but I, it's hard. I I definitely think Michigan State could beat them just based on the simple fact of the guard play alone, and I mean, they've they've gotten enough. Michigan State's gotten enough out of everybody else. Yeah. And the year that last time Duke played Michigan State, and it was I think it was the lead eight. I was at the Buffalo Wild Wings at Petoskey, and. Allison took me there because she, she wanted me. To, we went on to watch the game, and we're sitting there. And it was the game where it was over after the first half. Like, Duke got like a 15-point lead, and then he just coasted. And then it got a little bit in the second half, but Duke and I just – the game was in hand, and I was so happy in that place. And there were just so many Michigan State fans in that bar that were just so angry. And I just remember it so well. I just remember being so happy, and I might have had a couple beers and – I was trying not to show my joy too much, but yeah. Yeah. So, alrighty. So we are going to take a break, come back, and then we're going to do Giant Ice Top Five, which is going to be our top five local sports moments. So, uh, so since he's been covering since 2015. Yep, since 2015. All right. So we started tangenting already, and I think we talked. We were going to say some good stuff, so I, I wanted to make sure it got on air or we put it on wax. So um, let's go right into it. Top five. So my number five favorite thing that's happened so far. Um, I don't really have. I only have four really, but what I do want to talk. We'll just start here. Cooper Black this year. That was my number five. Just uh, most of mine are games events that I've covered, but number five. Um, just the season, and it goes along with the season that Alpina had, but the season that Cooper Black had, like I mentioned, I may be slightly biased because I used to be a goalie, but to the year that he had, not just not just stats, but because I was able to watch him. And just if anybody, 
you know, anybody out there was able to watch him and just see how calm and confident he was in the net. I mean, never got rattled. And I mean, he was, that's just the way he was all season. And I mean, his numbers, his numbers backed it up and he gave, gave Alpina a shot to win every night. And he was just, I mean, had a phenomenal year, obviously uh, first team, all state, first team, all BNC, and then was the first person to um, make the dream team since it started in 1999 from Alpina. So uh, that was awesome to be named the best goalie in the state. I think what I'm going to you did a great job. There comes times when we as a community need to toot our own horn a little bit. And you did a great job of doing that. I know you were the first one that really started talking about, you know, Cooper Black for Mr. Hockey. And I'm not saying that he was going to get it, but at least to say, hey, this kid's doing really good here. And if you're going to make this the criteria for that, he meets the criteria. All of it, yeah. Yeah. So you did a great job of that. And I think, it, you know, I think in the minute you started that, it really started pushing it out more. Um, I started seeing a couple other YouTube channels start covering them and just giving them, you know, nods. You know, and that's all it takes sometimes. Yeah. The state, the state champs podcast. They do, you know, they do a podcast, you know, every week or something. Do that for the hockey season, and I. I thought, you know, after the way the team started, I mean, Cooper started the season with five straight shutouts, uh, obviously five straight wins for Alpina. I was like, yeah, he's going to, he's going to get some recognition here. And then, you know, time goes on and Alpina still, the, they were ranked number nine, you know, after the first four games of the season and they kept the number nine ranking all season still until about the middle of the year. I mean, it was, and I don't want to take any credit because all the credit in the world goes to Cooper and what he did. Yeah. Um, I just, I just did my job, what I thought was my job, and put his name out there saying, hey, listen, you know, if you're talking about the – and that's when they started their top ten list of the best hockey players. It's like, And there was a goalie on there, Sam Avola, and he was the um, Mr. Hockey last year. And Cooper's numbers were, at the time, just, I mean, so much better than what Sam's were. And even during what Sam's were um, last year and what Sam's were – beginning of this season I was like if he's on this list why isn't Cooper on the list yeah and then part of me is thinking well here we are at every I think the only there was nine nine out of the nine out of the ten one one kid was from Kelly Matt there like I mentioned in one of my stories their hockey factory up there their powerhouse yeah everybody else is from that metro Detroit area or 30 minutes away so like it's tough to it's tough to get noticed up here you know it's like we're in our own little world up here yeah and I mean the fact you know, what he was able to do, I just felt like it was necessary to put his name out there and say, hey, you know, take a look at this kid, take a look at this team. And finally, he was able to get on one of the podcasts uh, two weeks before they went to that Trenton showcase. And I was like, perfect. Yeah. And I remember talking to Chris. And I remember talking to Cooper briefly about it. I was like, hey, did you see your name on there? Yeah, that's awesome. And yeah. um, they go down that Trenton. I'm just thinking in the back of my mind, I'm like, just, I mean, have a good weekend. Yeah, have a good weekend. And then, yeah, phenomenal weekend. Oh, phenomenal! We gave up one one goal and <laughs> stopped like fifty nine shots. I was like, perfect. That's what we needed. Yeah, and that's what that's what he needed to get his name out there. And <clears throat> after that, then then the attention started to, and that was a little more than halfway through the year. Then people started to talk about him, and he was a regular on their podcast and sold the team. So that was that was perfect. A big nod to. Storch and Limbach and scheduling. We play a lot of good hockey yes. teams, and it's not easy when to get those games. And um, they're important. Not only, I mean, as we see with like college football and basketball, it's important to have some really non-conference schedule games. It's important. 
Mm-hmm. So uh, number four for me, um, you, Brad knows this, you don't know this about me, but um, my kids go with Posen. And my son grew up, my oldest grew up with uh, Travis Sharp. And you might have heard a little bit of Travis Sharp. I know you could maybe covered the, like, the back end of his career. Um, but Travis was a really good athlete out there. And Jordy and Travis grew up together. And I spent a lot of time with him growing up. And my wife would come with me at all these games. And we watched him 7th, 8th, blah, blah, blah. I tell this story because Travis has a little brother named Jared. You know? And Jared, um, which you know where I'm going with this now. So Jared would sit in the stands and he would dribble basketball at all of his games. And Allison was absolutely enamored with Jared's ability to dribble the basketball. Cause first of all, Jared's not a very tall kid. Mm-hmm. And at least at the time he grew up this last year, yep. he really shot up, which helped. I think it was why you saw his numbers rise so drastically this year, but he was a little kid and he, he could dribble a basketball and just do some amazing things. Allison nicknamed him the dribbling boy. Well, as, because I mean, just, so that's what you're like. Look at there's dribbling boy, and as he, as we, we go through his, you know, get, get older, um, he grew up, and he would see it. And I'm like, hey, that's dribbling boy, and she'd be like, I can't believe he looks so old now. Uh, long story short, Jared had a phenomenal year this year. He did. Yep. Yeah. Be, uh, we'll be. Uh, I'll give it away. He will be on our uh, first team all area selection. So, uh, congrats on a great season to him and. He was uh, <laughs> love breaking news. Yeah. <laughs> breaking news. It'll be in uh, Saturday's edition of the paper. Yeah. So, he, um, how much deserved? That's not oh, a surprise. Yeah. So. Yeah. He uh, like you mentioned. He he got uh, he grew a little bit this year, and it definitely helped him. I mean, he's still a shooter, and but he was able to do a lot more this year because of his size. But I mean, the way he the way he shot the ball, it's just like you you'd think before he takes a shot, he's like, you know, what the hell is he doing? Why is he taking the shot? And then all of a sudden. It hit nothing besides the net, and you're like, man, oh man, he got lucky. Yeah. And then two trips down the court, he hits two more, and it's like, well, all right. <laughs> but it's like, and what then, do you? I mean, what do you do as a coach? You like, you let him shoot that from way out there, and yeah. hope that he misses and you grab the rebound, or. But what happened was, is he's so small. Mm-hmm. Is the only way he could get a shot off yeah. was shooting out that far, and that's how he's been his whole life. Mm-hmm. And this year, when you know those two or three inches that he grew, just. Now, of course, it does. I mean, it's the stuff Curry's in the room. Well, it's, it's funny, too, to see, because you mentioned Travis, and I've obviously watched Travis play, just to see the difference of, you know, both athletic, but both have completely different styles of basketball. Travis yeah. was big physical kid that always scored inside. Yeah. Jared, complete opposite, you know, more more range and uh, shoots the ball from beyond the three-point line. Travis would drive me crazy. Oh. Um, yeah, we'll just leave it at that. Um, <laughs> I mean, uh, so it would have been my son's junior year. Um, Nick Hengsu was a senior. Jordan would have been a junior year. Travis was a sophomore. Um, was the best football team that they ever put on. I mean, they were they had th- really, three really good athletes. And it's a, two, it's a shame they weren't able to do more in eight-man because, as you know, with eight-man, you get one or two athletes on the field. That feels so big. And, and to have Travis – and I think if – Travis would have just been one year older, just not have him as a sophomore. Uh, they would have gone really, really far. I mean, they went far anyway, but yeah. they would have just gone that little bit further. So, but yeah, um, that's my number four. Your number four. My number four was um, Hillman upsetting Augray in the first round of the football playoffs in 2017, <laughs> which was Dokinig's uh, last win, which was which was incredible. the The best coach game I have seen since I've started working. I mean, just 
Uh, kudos to the coaches on a great game plan. I know Cody Allen was the defensive coordinator. Uh, Hillman won that game um, 15 to 6 was the final score. They they held a team that was averaging four, over 43 points a game to six points. And just the way that they, and Hillman, Hillman was a team that, you know, didn't come into the game undefeated. They were basically limped into the playoffs. I mean, they were uh, five and four. I think they got in, got in with a five and four record after starting the season 0 and 3. And just uh, Cody, Cody Allen ran the defense. Uh, Shane and Bill both ran the offense. But just the way the defense played, they're just a, a perfect a perfect game plan. And the kids just executed it to a T. And, I mean, that's that's really hard, too, in high school. I mean, to hold a team that's averaging 43 points to six. And, I mean, they didn't really have too many. It was one one play. One long play was the touchdown. And, you know, it was early in the first quarter. And you thought, well, here we go. The floodgates are going to open. And after that, I mean, they just uh, – just clamped down, so it was a that was a that was a good game just because of the coaching part of it. I mean, that was that was perfect. Uh, fun that you talked about Hillman football. Um, well, I'll give you my number three was Posen winning districts this year. Okay, um, for football. Um, but what I want to segue is: Did you hear when Posen and Hillman played each other this year? This coming twenty nineteen football season, they have like the second game. Or the, or the first game. I think it's the first game of the season. Hillman and Opposing are playing there in the North Star League. Jeez. I know. It's just <laughs> on. I told, I was telling my son because he's already got football season on the brain. He's a senior coming up. So, and they have that game circled on the calendar, oh, yeah. they obviously. And, um, son of a gun, he goes, Yeah, we play right away, Dad. And I'm like, What? <laughs> I, was like, I was like, Why? And they were like, I don't know. And I go, Oh, I go, that could just be a showcase game. I go, no, nearly it's the first week of the season, mm-hmm. so maybe you, that'll be, be good for both school programs. But, uh, yeah, um, Hillman – I mean, sorry, Posen, I've been watching my – we have not had a playoff win in the Jacobson household <laughs> ever. And for Gabe to finally come away with one, and, and he's been able to rub it in his older brother's <laughs> face, um, it was pretty special. And um, – We've had a lot of – we've always been the bridesmaid, but never the bride, and it was good to finally uh, do that. And then, then have the regional experience, you know, to play that late into the season. Um, it was fun, so. Yeah, they – I think I, there was some people, there was mixed reactions about Hillman going to eight-man, but I, sooner or later I think that's all you're going to have for these Class D schools because it's just going to get too hard to yeah. – I mean, Alcona this year had to play – Sault Ste. Marie, who Alpina is playing. Yeah. When you, you take the chance of playing, you know, schools like that and risk not making the playoffs or you make the switch to eight man and be a little bit more competitive. But I think the one positive that I like about eight man is it's bringing the rivalries back. Yes. Okay? See, if Hellman doesn't go to eight man, you don't have the Hellman Posen rivalry. And yeah. I think that's great for football and it's great for the, great for the program. It's great for the fans. I mean, it's just, it's good all around. Yeah. I mean, it's tough when you have, because I've been there from the infancy of eight-man football in this area. It was tough to go on a six-hour car trip to watch a game, yep. and they're not well attended. And it was it was awesome to be able to drive to Hillman that night. I mean, it was pouring rain. It was a miserable game watching it. But it was a great game for the kids. Oh, yeah. It was competitive, and you had everybody was there. You know, I mean, even in the rain, the place yep. was still filled up. So the you're right. That is it's tough watching Alcona and Mayo and some of these schools that are able to field maybe a love man team, but really need to move to eight man. I think it it helps the district out 
we're not busing kids all clear across the state and all those things. So, um, yeah, I think it's a smart move as much as I, it pains me, you know, so. Yeah. Number three on my list, uh, was the, was actually that Pose and Cedarville game in, uh, 2015. That was my first year. Uh, first fall was when, uh, Cedar Pose, that was Posen's uh, dream season, their undefeated season. They actually, uh, topped Cedarville 28, 26 in the first meeting. And then Cedarville got him back and just, what was a great overtime game. I mean, it, Unfortunate that Posen fell one short of the regional championship and had their season ended, but just uh, just an overall great game. But Cedarville ended up beating them twenty-two to twenty, and uh, it's one of those things where the game was tied twenty to twenty. Sharp was stopped on the two-point conversion. Cedarville got the ball, uh, scored on the third down, and lined up to go for two. Pitched the ball to the outside. It looked like Posen had him in the backfield. All of a sudden, <laughs> see a kid squirt free and head to the end zone and dive across, and then. That's the way it ended, but that's uh, definitely was uh, one of one of my top moments. It was a fun game to watch. Um, yeah, I've seen some heartbreaking losses for those. Um, it's tough when you watch stuff like that because I mean, you, you want it so bad for those kids, mm-hmm. and you're cheering, and just I mean, that's football, though, right? Mm-hmm. Or just sports overall. So, <coughs> so on my number two um, was Hillman's basketball run. It'll been your first year yep. covering. So uh, I think it would have been the Gunner Libby year. Yep, Gunner. Yeah, Gunner. It would have been Gunner's senior year. Yep. yep so his junior year, they lost that. Um, and it was kind of a controversial game to Ottaway. Uh, you know, last second. Um, they lost in the last seconds of the game. They lost, and that was actually their first undefeated season too. Um, they fell short of a district title there, but yeah, Gunner's uh, senior year. That's when they went out and made the run and played, ran into Powers. Yeah. Ran into Jason Wittens and Powers North Central. Um, I grew up with Eric. And as much as it drives my kids crazy, every game I go to, um, and I haven't been to a opposing basketball game in a long time, but um, always go down and talk to Eric. Or if I and if I don't, because it, like when my kids would play, my daughter especially would get annoyed when I would go talk to Eric. Um, Eric would come find me. <laughs> so, um, but um, there's a certain amount of pride that I always have watching Eric do so well with those kids. So. Um, good for him. So, yep. uh, my number two was uh, might be might be surprising. It's uh, volleyball, Roger City volleyball. Um, it would have been 2017. Uh, they won a five set match over Leland. So that was uh, it was. Shout out to Jackie Quinn. Jackie was uh, one of my favorite coaches. No longer coaching in Roger City uh, anymore, but she, uh, they definitely enjoyed some uh, some magical runs too because they uh, went down to the final four. Um, two years in a row, um, came up short in the uh, state semifinals both times. But um, that game against Leland, Leland was a defending state champion. They ran up against them in the regional semifinal with a, with a young team. That was uh, Taylor Fleming's uh, sophomore year. Yeah. Uh, Taylor Fleming, uh, Kayla Rabal, um, some of those girls up there. But, yeah, they uh, won a five-set thriller. And, you know, it was one of those things that when I first came out, I was like, you know, I, I'm going to enjoy baseball, hockey, basketball, and football. But you know, like soccer and tennis and volleyball, you know, I don't know, but it's, uh, I enjoy covering all of them. And I was, uh, it was surprised, uh, you know, especially that time of the year for volleyball, because the gym gets packed just like it does for anything else for basketball. And, you know, it was just a good atmosphere and a fun game to, fun game to watch and cover. Uh, there's something about a packed gym or, and a, I don't want to say intelligent, but when 
the fans know what's going on and what to cheer for and really appreciate all that's being done. There's something to be, it just adds a certain level to it. So um, my number one is no surprise. I mean, at least once I say it, it won't be, uh, it'll be my daughter going to state championships for track and field. Yeah. So um, it's uh, her little brother's chasing her now and we'll find out here in a real short couple of weeks. He's got a couple of track meets and um We'll find out if he's going to – right away, we'll know if he's going to have a shot. So, I mean, he'll definitely do well at regionals, but I don't know if he'll make states or not. So, but, yeah, it's just a whole experience of um, watching a whole lot of hard work pay off, you know, and um, it's kind of cool. And she's doing her well now even. So she's down there in Heidelberg. And, yeah, so that's a, that was not a surprise at all. At least it shouldn't have been once I said it. <laughs> Best of luck to both of them. And like I said, hopefully we'll be uh, hearing some good things for your daughter and, and uh, be seeing be seeing the sun uh, out on the track here sometime uh, sometime soon. Hopefully it won't be uh, – hopefully the weather won't be too bad. I, I like to go out and enjoy it and not have the wind blowing and everything. I'm sure the athletes do too. You'll appreciate this. <laughs> her goal this year was to qualify for the OAC. And she did at her first throw. That's so awesome. she called me up and she's like, well, I'm all good to go. Because when she left for, um, when she came home for spring break, I was like, what's your goals? Because I always ask her that. She goes, well, I just, I want to qualify for conference championship. She fell one short for podium last year. So she goes, if I, I know if I can qualify, then I have a chance for the podium. She goes, but I want to go one step at a time. And her first throw, she called me up right away. First throw, I'm, I'm in. She goes, so I'm going to conference championship. So then now I just got to practice all year for that moment. And I'm like, well. And then she called me the next week and said, I just threw the worst of my entire life I've ever done. I'm like, well, now you know what you got to do to fix it. But, yeah, Gabe, he's got one more year, so it's a building year. But, yeah, I appreciate that. So you're number one. I want to hear it. Number one just happened this uh, past hockey season was the uh, – I like to call it the 007 goal, Kyle Van Dusen, when he scored – with seven-tenths of a second left to tie Detroit Country Day, obviously the um, reigning state champions, but they were um, also the defending state champions and uh, scored a goal against uh, Mr. Hockey, Sam Avola, and it was just crazy how it was set up. The game played in Gaylord and pretty much a game dominated by Country Day, and once again, Cooper Cooper played well enough to keep him in the game, and I remember you know clock ticking down. I'm standing up by Dad as he's calling the action everything. I'm watching, I'm watching – all of a sudden, the puck goes in the corner, and you can see, you know, three seconds left. It's like, ah, they're going to fall up. They're going to come up just short. All of a sudden, Anthony Berg just, you know, and I talked to Berg after, and he just he backhanded the puck out to the top of the circle. He said, I had no idea. I knew there was not very much time left, so I just got the puck out somewhere. Well, it was crazy because I was watching. Once he, once he backhanded the puck, I looked, and I saw Kyle flying across the ice, and he wound up took the shot and fell over and the puck sent the water bottle flying and the puck, I mean, it was just like a trampoline, just bounced right on the back of the net with, we looked up seven tenths of a second left. So the 007 goal, Kyle Van Dusen. That's crazy. And we would be remiss if we didn't talk about your pops for a little bit on the pod here. Um, your dad has always had kind of words for my mom. Um, when my mom passed in 2015, he was actually one of the first people to reach out to me and just um, pass along some of the things my mom, some kind of words, and uh, it meant a lot to me. And, of course, over your past couple of years, you've had a – it hasn't been an easy go for your old man. Yep. Yeah, so um, – but it's good to hear him on the radio. Back, yeah, he's back doing what he loves, so it's good to, good to see him doing that because, you know, he, he enjoys that more than anything. That's what he That's what he lives for. I know that that – 
passion was a motivation for him to get better last season. Yep. yep. And, uh, it's always good to always good to have goals, especially you know in in that time too. You know when you're not really sure you know what's going on and how you're supposed to feel, but the, yeah, to have his goal, he said, "Yeah, I want to make sure I get back by the end of the hockey season." I'm like, "Yeah, he might be pushing a little bit. How about we shoot for football?" <laughs> but you know, never uh, any goals. You know, never too big. So I was happy to see him see him get back there, and he's doing well, and he's getting ready for uh, getting ready for football season now. But he had a blast this hockey season. He loved the loved the team and loved calling the action. It was uh, I thoroughly enjoyed. You know, about halfway through the season, I really started just making a point to listen to the games more. I mean, I always, anytime I was on the radio, I, if I was around, if I was driving around, I'd always flip the game on. But it was to the point where I would just turn the game on even while I was home or wherever. Or I think we were somewhere and I was like, turn the game on. I remember I was somewhere public and they were, they always had the basket case. Okay. And I was like, dude, the hockey game's not turn it on. So we flipped the game on and um in, in there. And, um, I I thoroughly enjoy your old man calling the game and um, even an occasional shout out here, especially community shout outs. I I think of that support because um, it really shows you just how involved the community can be in in an activity like that. Oh, with all the sponsors and stuff too. I mean, that the hockey team had this year. I mean, without without the sponsors and without the help of the community, he can't bring he can't bring anybody to action. So I mean. Uh, as important as he is, the community is just as important, you know, um, sponsoring. So, you know, True North Radio can allow him to be on the air. So it's just a good uh, team effort all around. Awesome. Well, hey, I'd like to thank you for being on the pod this week. Absolutely. Uh, what do you got going on this weekend? This weekend, uh, just finishing up a couple couple other stories that we got going on, just uh, killing some time before um, doing the, uh, like I mentioned, the um, – boys and girls all area basketball teams so we'll have those coming out in the next couple of weeks so just uh enjoying our final quiet week before uh, spring sports hits because when that hits it's uh it's back in full gear until summertime that's why i was glad glad to grab you right now because i know you're i knew you were on the cusp of everything Perfect breaking timing. and the way the way the winter went too with all the cancellations and everything it just piled everything into a three-week span there and it was uh it was busy but Nice to nice to have a couple of days off to watch the tournament and you know kind of relax a little bit before we dive into the spring sports season. Butter bear. Uh, it's going to be another weekend of basketball, at least in the evenings. Saturday, I might go to the movies, go see us. So, other than that, I'll hang out with the niece and nephew. Um, I'm trying to think. I got pod tonight. I really don't think I have much going on this week. I didn't look at my schedule, but I do know this weekend, um, if you are at all of a fan of bowling on TV, this weekend is the Miller Tournament at the Thunderbolt. So you'll have two ESPN pros, I believe, that are in the house. So if you ever want to catch some really good bowling, Smallwood almost always comes up. So Smalls will be in the house and always draws a crowd. So he's well, I mean, he's just a guy that's always on ESPN. So, I mean, he lives in the Saginaw area, and he comes up with his, his house team that he bowls with on during the week, you know, and they come up here. They've always come up here before he, you know, I don't know if you guys know, but he was a GM auto worker, got laid off, and he was always a good bowler. And um, he just decided to piss on I'm going to go for it. I'm laid off. i got nothing else to do. So he ended up becoming a professional bowler. He bowls on the PBA Tour. and. He's on, you know, on ESPN all the time, and he's won 
thousands upon thousands of dollars. And um, he comes up here to, the, to this tournament still, and everyone gets a kick out of it because it's kind of you feel like you're bowling next to a celebrity. I've done it myself. It's weird to so know that. Yeah, I mean, it, there is a moment. Um, you start talking trash. My favorite moment. I'll tell you my favorite Smallwood's moment. We're sitting in the bar, and Smallwood. I'm sitting next to Smallwood while we're watching him on because they tape delayed the tournaments a week, so they're always a week ahead. So we're I'm sitting next to Smallwood while he's on TV bowling, and Vern here goes. To Brian Penny goes, hey Bubba, what I bet you I bet you five dollars that Smallwood leaves a nine pin on this ball. <laughs> because Smallwood said, I leave the nine pin here. But it's just funny, like, you know, to hear that type of thing. So yeah. So yeah, that's what's going on. That's between basketball work and of course yeah. that. So yeah. Curling event going on yep. Saturday. Probably won't go over. And then we got, then we go with spring sports. It just takes right off. Kids yep. got spring break this week, and then it, everyone buckles in. So it looks like most of them. I mean, should be able to start on time too, as long as we don't get any late snowstorms like we did last year. But the weather, <laughs> I mean, we've gotten some uh, sunshine lately and some warmer weather. I yeah, mean, we can get get up into the forties. That'd be big. Obviously, there's still a lot of snow on the field. But I know um, the baseball and softball team both open. Um, downstate, they don't have a lot of home games this year, um, but they both, I think their first uh, five or six games are all on the road, so they should be able to get them in because I don't think there's any any or much snow at all in the uh, southern part of the state. So We need dry, or we need sunny, windy days because mm-hmm. that wind is just as critical as the sun is when it warms up because yeah. um, if not, it just, just sits there like ponds. So, yeah. Well, John, thanks for coming by. Absolutely. Thanks again, uh, both of you, for having me. Really appreciate it. And thanks well, for everybody for uh, listening. After the summer's out, I'd like to have you back on because um, there was something that's a big part of your life that we didn't even touch. That's wrestling. Oh we, yeah, that's huge. We didn't even get a chance to. Um, you guys got to get to bed tonight. We don't got enough time. For that. <laughs> yeah. So like, um, there's a whole bunch of things that I wanted to talk to you about that we didn't get a chance. So maybe once the school year's done and. Um, we could recap the spring sports because there'll be a lot going on. And then, so uh, we'll do that. And then um, next week we have Ryan and Fairchild, an electric podcast. Electric. Electric. Very shocking. And then a week after that, I got a surprise for you. Do you want to know or do you want it to be a surprise? It doesn't matter. You want to tell me? You, you can decide right now. Might as well tell me. Okay, so we're gonna have we're gonna have the crew. We're gonna bring everyone on. So we're going to have Minidoc from Thunder Bay Theater, Cooper from – Christensen Cooper from The Loft. We'll have Griffin from The Basket Case. We'll have Muzzy. I don't know how we're going to fit everybody in here. Um, we should probably go on the road. I did talk to Justin about having it at The Loft. I didn't think of that. And then we're going to do control questions and then kind of make it like a roundtable thing. So um, it's going to be very much a control chaos. We've never had that many people on the pod before. I'm, I'm very – It's going to be loud. Yeah, I'm very nervous about it. So – um, but yeah, so that's what we're going to do with that. So we're, we have three scheduled weeks out. Um, I've talked to some other people that once April got going, maybe they'd come on too. So I think we should be going strong for a while. Great. Good. Awesome. Thanks once again, Jay. Absolutely. Thank Looking you. forward to the next time. Great. See ya.